Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Life's Legends, a podcast where we talk about the stories that have shaped and guided us throughout our lives. My name is Luke, and I will be your host every single episode of the Life's Legends podcast, or at least for the foreseeable future. Um, So this is a podcast that I had an idea for a while ago, and I really wanted to, to engage with, and so This podcast will be myself, along with a series of different guests, um, talking about the stories that mean a lot to us and what they brought to our lives and what they taught us and how they just shaped and guided us through, through how we live our lives. I think stories are one of the most important aspects of living the human experience. And I think stories tell us a ton about how we engage with the world, how we engage with each other and all kinds of other things. And so I really want to engage with people about the stories that they love. Um, and this being the first episode of the Life's Legends podcast, I want to to just come by myself and go over a story that means a lot to me, something that can help set the tone for you guys who are going to hopefully listen to this podcast every month um, about what my view is and and my kind of way of of approaching stories is. I thought this would be a good demonstration. Um, And so to do that, I have chosen to delve into the DreamWorks movie, The Prince of Egypt. This is one of my favorite animated movies ever. So I definitely am excited to get into that, talk about some of the reasons I like it and what it's kind of taught me and help me understand about about the world and about myself so i'm excited to do that but i want to kind of lay the groundwork for what i'm going to be asking my guests in the beginning so that we as an audience myself as the host and you as the audience can get to know the different people that that i bring onto the podcast and that, that we discuss things with and so i have several questions the first of all is my age i'm 26 years old and this is probably going to matter based on what stories people are into based on how old they are right so i'm 26 um i currently work as a fedex delivery driver so i deliver packages for them i drive the big bread truck looking thing um, and deliver packages and i'm also a student in seminary right now so I'm trying to get my master's of divinity through through that so I'm doing both of those things um, and my dream is to one day become a pastor right now I serve in a denomination called the Presbyterian Church in America so uh, I might stay in that denomination and I I hope to at least for the foreseeable future but my dream is to serve God in the role hopefully of a pastor if if he calls me to to do that so but for now i want to talk about stories once a month with different people um, because i think they're important and so that's a little bit about me about what my life kind of looks like and so going beyond that i want to ask guests some things about stories their experience with stories kind of some of their favorite stuff and so i've i've gone over a little bit of that here so i'm gonna ask what 
every guest's favorite story medium is. How do you like to receive a story in the best way? What's your favorite way to receive a story? And so my favorite story medium is, is called manga. If you're not familiar with what that is, it's a um, kind of similar to a comic book, but black and white um, and mainly produced in Japan. Um, so I am very familiar with this series. I started reading manga when I was 10 years old. And so I've, I've been doing it for a minute um, and it's the medium I understand the best. And so I can kind of grasp the things that different authors are doing when they write and draw manga. Um, and so I really enjoy it. I've come to really love that style of storytelling. Um, and my favorite story of all time is a story is a manga called Naruto. Um, Naruto was actually the second manga I ever read. Um, back, I was probably pretty close to 10. Um, and it's, it's a story that has deeply impacted me throughout my life. Now, this is not a short story at all. And that's one of the main reasons I didn't bring that to our first episode here. Um, but I'm sure at some point I'll have the opportunity to talk about Naruto and, and we can kind of get into that. But for now, just know that that's my favorite story of all time as of right now. And all of these answers, by the way, are subject to change. That's the thing about stories that's kind of cool is, you know, you can change your opinion. You can go through different phases of life and, and styles of stories that you like. And that's great. That's a great part about stories, about what they do for us. So I'm, I'm, I think that's a cool thing. And so this is, these are not final, but they are my feelings right now. Um, and so the, the next thing is who your favorite character of all time is. And my answer to that is a character called Kamina from a show called Gurren Lagann. Um, it's on Netflix. If you've never seen it, another one of my favorite stories ever. Um, so I definitely encourage you to do that. But Kamina is, is a character in that story that just gives me a lot of hope, a lot of courage and inspiration. And so I really like him for that. Um, and I'm sure at some point we'll have the opportunity to talk about Gurren Lagann. So I won't belabor that here either. But Kamina is my favorite character right now. Um, and then I want to ask, who's your favorite villain? Uh, unless that was one of your favorite characters. Uh, that was of all time, but it was not. My favorite villain right now is a character called Gaston from the movie Beauty and the Beast. Um, I really like Gaston, and I like Gaston for like the worst ways. I just, I, I love the manly aspect that he brings to that movie, and he presents a like realistic, reasonable villain to that movie and like just the stuff like when he's like going to kill the beast and he's revving up that crowd that's a real thing i mean that that's that's not that's not a fake villain that's not a narrative villain he's not using magic he's just using his persuasiveness which i mean you probably know people that are like that um which is kind of the reason i like him as a villain um, but he's my favorite right now again all of this is subject to change but it's where I am right now. So that being said, every month I want to bring you a recommendation, a story I'm currently engaged with that I really love um, and I can recommend to you guys for your own 
edification at a different point. And I'm going to ask my guests for one too. But this month, my recommendation is a story called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. That's the story that I've been engaged with the most recently. So I really think it's good. I, I like it a lot. It's a very interesting story. Um, it is a manga. But there is also a show on Netflix if you want to watch the show. The show is done very well. I think it's a great way to experience uh, this series. Um, and this series is broken up into parts kind of following the lineage of a certain family. And I think that's a really cool idea for a show. And it plays out really well. And the fights are really cool. It's There's a lot that's really cool about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure that I hope you check out. And experience for yourself. But that's my recommendation this month. And so the last thing kind of in this area that we have to talk about is why I chose to do the Prince of Egypt for this for this podcast, this very first podcast. And mainly I picked it because I grew up with it. I was very, very young the first time that I encountered this movie. Um, and so it's pretty integral to to me growing up and me watching animated movies again it is in my opinion one of the best animated movies still to this day i think that even after having rewatched and and gone over this movie again for this podcast it is one of the best animated movies i think i i don't think that's a, a debatable topic it's definitely a very very well done movie as we'll get into um but i wanted to pick it because i really like it and the other thing is, is I am, as you might have guessed from the fact that my dream is to be a pastor, I am a Christian. I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember. Um, when I was about three years old, I truly and sincerely believe I gave my life to, to Christ. Um, and he has been walking with me and guiding with me ever since. And this movie displays an aspect of the Bible uh, a story from the Bible in a very good way. And I, and I wanted to highlight that because I thought it would give you a little bit of an insight into how I approach stories and how they relate to our to our life. So that's kind of the icebreaker category of this. And now we need to get into the meat. What is the stuff in this story that we need to talk about before we move on to kind of more existential questions, if you will. So these podcasts, just for your edification as a listener to the Life's Legends podcast, I've broken the the body of this podcast into three sections. The first is the meat. So what is it about the story specifically we want to talk about things we want to highlight stuff about the story to talk about and there's a lot in that and probably a good deal of every podcast will be spent talking about the story and and what we like about it what was cool about it and all that the second section i've called the medium so how is this story presented so in our case today the prince of egypt is a movie so what is specific about movies that this does well or or bad either way um 
So we want to talk about that. And in this specific case, this is an adaptation of another story. And so in that section, we'll talk about how does this movie do adapting the original source material from the Bible. Um, and the third section, and probably the most important section of this podcast, is the moral. What is this story telling us? How, what ideas does it communicate? And can we get with those ideas? Do we think they're good and should apply them to our lives? Or should we not? Should we? Do we need to reject them? Um, and, and kind of the differences maybe between my view and my guest's view, I think will be interesting to, to come to know as we have different people of all different kinds of experiences come on, come on the podcast. And so those are the three big sections that we have to go through. And so obviously, as I said, the first is the meat. Let's talk about the Prince of Egypt. What does it do well? What does it do not so well? Let's just talk about the story. And so there are, in my opinion, three categories of story that every story, no matter what medium, has. And these are the three categories that we'll always be talking about in this section. And the first is characters. Now, we might not always do this in this way, but like in this order, but I I thought it was a decent order for this movie, at least. So the first is the characters, and of all characters, the protagonist is one of the most important. I'm not going to say the most important, because I think that the antagonist is also very important, but the protagonist is who we see the story story from um, and get a good sense of what the movie is telling us from him. Um, and so let's talk about Moses. I think Moses is a great protagonist in this movie. I think his journey throughout this movie is great. He starts as this prankster kid. I mean, originally he starts as an infant, but as we see him grow up, he starts as like the prankster who's always trying to get his older brother Ramses in trouble with the priests, with their dad. He just likes causing mayhem and he's a kid. He is a young man who likes causing trouble, and that's not unheard of. That's not really crazy to think. Um, he's just a bold and, and adventurous young man, and I really like that. It helps endear us to him, because not only is he bold and adventurous at the beginning of the movie, but he's caring. He really cares about Ramses, about their father, Seti, um, their mom. He truly cares about the people of Egypt. He cares about everything that is around him for good reason. He, he was, grew up in this society, and so he truly feels for them. And we can see that in that instance where he goes up to Seti and says, uh, after, he kind of, after Seti rebukes Ramses and Ramses storms out of his presence, Moses goes up and he's like, do you have to be so hard with him? Like... I feel bad, I caused this, this is my fault. And so we see that he really cares for his brother. He cares for their family um, in, a, in a real way, and I, and I like that. Um, and one of the things, one of the main things I think we can see about Moses throughout the whole movie is 
his altruistic nature he really is after the good of the people around him especially at the beginning everyone around him he wants their good but even as things start unfolding as the story progresses and he ends up actually killing the egyptian man running away and coming back to inflict these plagues upon egypt he still really desperately wants them to turn from this and I, it's just compelling. It's compelling as a protagonist to see him be altruistic, really be just a good guy who is a misguided prankster. And I, I think that's I think that he was a prankster in the beginning of the movie helps us understand his maturity journey throughout the the length of this movie. So when we see him later and he's more sullen because of what's happening around him, we're not surprised by that because we've seen that we've, we've seen that core in the prankster. The care was there, but now life's no longer funny. He's no longer able to be the prankster that he once was. And so he has to don this serious nature, um, and accordingly, he he keeps his altruistic nature, but is much more serious and loses that prankster thing um, that he had. But I really like him. I think he's a compelling character to follow. I really felt the despair when he's running away. That scene was very, very good where he's running uh, to Midian eventually is where he ends up, but he's running through the desert and you just, not only is he physically lost, but he is spiritually and emotionally lost. He doesn't know who he is, where he's going. He has no idea. And so this, this flight, it, this like kind of all is lost moment that happens at that point is, is really compelling. It's a great, it's a great view to to see to see that with and they do um several very good scenes with him um showing kind of who he is throughout the movie i really like moses he's a great great protagonist um, so with that being said let's talk about the antagonist so the antagonist of this movie i think is ramses i think that's pretty clear um Although he's not a very evil antagonist per se. I mean, he definitely does atrocious things. So, so we know that like the slavery of the Jews, no good. We don't love that. Um, but he is also a character that Moses grew up with and is compelling. And what I like about him as an antagonist is his parallel journey. He also goes on a, a journey like Moses does, except it's it's markedly different. So he doesn't leave, right? He stays in Egypt and he eventually becomes Pharaoh, but he is sullen and serious at the beginning, right? He, he jokes around with Moses. He races with Moses. He's a kid. He likes doing young man things, riding these chariots, few, uh, through the, the city, causing all kinds of mayhem. He likes doing that, but he also understands the weight of what's on him, and this has made him more serious and more solemn. Um, and one of the things 
that is a refrain for him that that Seti says to him in the beginning. Seti, when when they're discussing the damage that Moses and him have done with this chariot race, Seti says to him, "One weak link can break the chain of a mighty dynasty." And Ramses refers to this again later when Moses comes back and first asks for the people of Israel to be set free. Moses says, I will not be the weak link. And this quote, I think, shapes what Ramses is and why he's so obstinate throughout this movie. He will not be that weak link. There's no way he's going to let the Jews go because that would mean he has failed where his father has succeeded, where his grandfather has succeeded, where all of his family have created this massive dynasty, he would have been the weak link. He would have been the failure, and he cannot stand that. And so he is fueled by this anger to to remain steadfast no matter what happens. And even after the last plague, right, even after all, all goes down and his own son dies, he still... He still goes after them. He's fueled by anger. And if he can't have them as slaves, he's going to kill them. He's going to kill them in the wilderness, in the desert. And that makes sense. He's lost it. He is the weak link. He is the weak link. And so he's lost his, his ability to maintain control over this situation. So the anger just comes out. Um. But what kind of the redeeming quality here is he loves Moses and he loves his family. I love the scene when when Moses is leaving. Moses is running out of the city after he has killed a man. He's murdered a guy. And Moses says, I can't stay here. I murdered a guy. And Ramses is like, I'll make it disappear. Everything I say goes. I am the morning star, I think he says. Um, he... He'll make it go away because he loves Moses. He wants Moses to stay and he cares about him and he can make this fine. And sure enough, when Moses returns years later, we see Ramses is willing to make it go away. Ramses is so happy to see his brother back, to to get back that family he lost. And especially now that it seems like both his mother and father are no longer living, it, it seems reasonable that he would love to see Moses back any family that he can cling to he wants back and he deeply embraces him he loves his family and that's why the last plague hits him so hard because his son is taken and he can't stand that Um, and I do think it is fitting that this anger this resentment is what leads to his end at the end of the story. And it's kind of left ambiguous as to whether he survives this ordeal or not. We don't really know. He doesn't, not in a great spot, on some kind of rock in the Red Sea. It's it's more likely that he would have died in that kind of catastrophic waterfall that would have happened on the on those people. But, but the movie shows that he's alive. It's screaming out Moses' name. This is his downfall, his destruction. Um, He's a great antagonist. He works as a great foil to Moses. This is displayed very well in their song 
in the the song I believe titled "The Plagues," where he kind of goes through this deep hurt that he has um, for Moses betraying him in his mind, um, and so he's a very good protagonist or antagonist. He's a very good foil to Moses as our hero. Um, so it's. He, he, the antagonist is very good. He's very compelling and definitely uh, serves his story well. Um, but the stories are made up of usually many more characters than just a protagonist and an antagonist. And so some of the others I want to highlight and just talk a little about because some of these other characters are really good and important. The first one I'll talk about quick is Seti. Um, Seti is a great depiction i think of the grandeur of egypt he is not so much essential as a character he's not really in many scenes he sets the the emotional tone of ramses in the beginning of the movie but he's more of a description of the grandeur of the power of ancient egypt and in that role he does really good um He's unrelenting, and it's a great depiction. So Moses, when he finds out that he's a Jew, and he finds out what Pharaoh did to the boys of the, uh, that he threw them in the Nile and killed them, um, Pharaoh says they're only slaves, and Ramses says this too later. But um, it it truly comes off when Pharaoh says it as if it's totally fine. And this is realistic. Uh, unfortunately, we as people are really good at classifying other people as beneath humanity so that we can abuse them or use them to our benefit, uh, to their detriment. And so we're really good at this as a people group. And SETI just shows an example of that that is heinous. I mean, a genocide he committed against the Jews and he's like well they were just slaves and we didn't want to get them too powerful like it was a Tuesday and he's just going through some paperwork so it's a good depiction it's a great depiction of what's going on there so yeah uh, and next is the magicians I think that the magicians are delightfully arrogant uh, Martin Short and Steve Martin are the voices of the magicians, and they do a great job portraying them. I, I like just how they are arrogant. I like that their song is great, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but uh, I think that they are a good representation of the, the imperial cult of Egypt. They kind of more represent that than they do represent themselves as characters. This, uh, like the main way I know this is because I don't actually know their names and or how to distinguish them between each other. There's one short round one and one tall skinny one. That's all I, uh, that's all I can differentiate them by. But they're essentially one character that serves as the representation of the Imperial cult there. Um, the next character I want to talk about is Zipporah, Moses' wife. Um, 
they establish a clear connection with Moses in the beginning, and that actually helps us narratively, because she is able to connect with him because he first lets her go. And we see that he's kind of captivated by her when he when he lets her go as he follows her into the um, the Jewish part of the city. So it's kind of a two-way captivation there. It is his spirit and who he is that attracts Zipporah to him eventually. But uh, he was definitely captivated by her from, from the beginning. Uh, and so I think that's an interesting portrayal. Um, it's a great way narratively to get Moses into the Jewish part of the city so that he can meet Aaron and Miriam and start our story headed in a direction. Um, so that was a good thing. And I love their interactions later. So, so that was great. I don't think she's a great partner for him. I, I like that she sticks with him and she doesn't have a lot of lines, but she is bold where he is weak later on in the movie. And that's helpful. And that's helpful. She is instrumental in helping him recovering from his all is lost moment. So that's that's very helpful and a great part that she plays in the movie. Um, another character we got to talk about is Miriam, a main character for sure in this in this movie. Um, I gotta say, her devotion, her gamble when she talks with Moses, when she's like, yeah, you're our brother, and like, he's like, uh, shut up, I'm after this lady, and she's walking away now, I, I don't care about you, can you just stop it? And she like, keeps persisting, and even to the point where he throws her down, and he's like, you'll regret this night, right? She keeps pushing, even though Aaron is like, hey, she's crazy, she's off her meds, we, you know, we gotta get her indoors, like, Aaron is trying to help her, but she keeps persisting, and this persistence pays off, right, and we see that at the end of the movie, she is vindicated for her persistence at the end of the movie, I, I don't necessarily know how I feel about that on, like, a real life level, but, it did pay off, so narratively, she's doing okay, um, so it was ultimately worth it, but her persistence really throughout the movie is, is rewarded, it's, it's a, she is a picture of the hope of the Israelites, and actually her and Aaron work as a good pair by being two personifications of the spirit of the Jewish people in this movie. She is the personification of the spirit of the hope that the Jewish people still have in God, in him coming to save them. Um, whereas Aaron, who I'll talk about now, um, is the personification of the, the slavery and the weakness and the fear that is undeniably present in in the Jews at this point. I love when Moses first gets back from speaking with Pharaoh. He's like, "Oh yeah, you made our life harder. Thanks, man. That's awesome." And this is this is a good representation of what the Jews must be feeling, right? They must be feeling like, "Oh yeah, this guy came from Midian. Who knows where that is? He comes in and makes our lives worse." The first thing he does, he was already when he was a kid making our lives worse because he's a prince of our oppressors, and now he comes back and he makes our lives even worse. 
Um, so Aaron is a good representation of that. He is very weak and spindly in this movie, and I don't love that, but we'll kind of get into that later. Um, but he's, but him and Miriam serve as great representations for the whole of the Jewish people in this movie, and that's really good. And now we get into uh, a very influential character, namely Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses and the priest of Midian, right? He serves as the perfect representation of, or the perfect answer to the crisis that Moses has. Moses' all his lost moment is that he doesn't know uh, who he is and he thinks he is worthless. And Jethro comes in with the answer to this and it's a great answer. And I think it is the main moral of the movie or one of the main morals of the movie, but we'll we'll get into that a little later. But Jethro is just a very delightful character. I would love to meet a Jethro. I've met several people that are this welcoming and friendly. I just, that like spirit of, there's part of the song he sings, uh, Look Through Heaven's Eyes, that he says, um, when all you have is nothing, there's a lot to go around. I... It's just a great quote. It it's so heartwarming. And I, I love Jethro for that. I love that that he that's who he is. He's a great character. I love that he's here. I love seeing him every time I watch this movie. Oh, uh, yeah. So another thing that I'll ask all my guests and I'll answer now, um, is who your favorite character in this movie was. And I would have historically said Jethro is my favorite character for, for most of my life. But honestly, now I, it's a tie between Moses and Jethro. I think that I really, really, when I rewatched it for this podcast and, and was invested in it, I love Moses arc. I love Moses determination to do what he knows is right. Even when it is hard, even when it's hurting people he loves, he stays the course. And I think that that's admirable, and I really like him for that. So it's either Moses or Jethro. I'm like 50-50 right now on which one I I like more. Because I love Jethro's welcoming nature, like I said. But uh, it's hard. It's hard to pick. So I'm going to go with, with, one of, with one of those two. But... I, I like talking about favorite characters and characters that appeal to us, and so I, I want to add that into the podcast just so it's it's here, right? Um, but that means that we're done talking about characters. Let's talk about the setting, and I don't have a whole lot to say about the setting because the setting isn't made up. The setting is ancient Egypt in our real world, uh, so there's not a ton to say about that, but what I will say is they depict it very well, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later when we talk about the medium, but this is a very marvelous and oppressive setting, and it does a great job of depicting that um, well for this movie. Um, and even when they go to Midian, Midian is is kind of this wilderness tent dwelling setting, but inspires kind of a safe home kind of feeling and so the setting is really cool um and obviously this is an adaptation of a story that is that is a a true story that the the bible depicts so this is just our real world 
this is that's the the place we're in so there's not a whole lot to say about that but uh i like it so i wanted to mention it and that brings us to the third and final part of the story which is the plot um this movie does an incredible job of establishing the problem at the very beginning of the movie. So this movie opens up with the song Deliver Us, and that's the main problem. The Jews are stuck in slavery in Egypt, and they need a way out. And this main song is essentially just communicating that, that they need a way out, that that they're looking for someone to deliver them from from what's going on, right? And so that does very well. And as this is happening, we get the pictures of Moses being put in the basket, sent down the river, and taken in by Pharaoh's wife. Um, and so this is a great, uh, a great, it's, it's showing here's the problem. Here's the answer to the problem. And he's a baby now, but eventually this will be the answer to our problem. And they set that up well. Um, and that comes back. We'll talk about that a little bit more when we talk about the music. But um, what I love about the depiction of him going in the Nile is how slim a chance Moses has to make it to anyone at all. We see like alligators and hippos and like oars for the boats. And this is the Nile River. The Nile River has all of that things, all of those things in it all the time. And, and, the chances of a baby making it down in a basket are low, are pretty darn low. And so just to to show how hard it was for, for Moses to have made it down that river, I think is a great depiction uh, and really helps us, us see just how heavily in the story the hand of God is on Moses to deliver his people. Um, the, the relationships in this movie are established so well in the beginning that the, so the, the chariot race, right? Establishes Moses and Ramses as loving brothers who are pranksters and they're just regular brothers. And that's great. And then when they're brought in and kind of shamed in front of Pharaoh, it establishes the whole relational plot of the movie. I already talked about this a little bit when I talked about Ramses and his desire not to be the weak link. But this scene really is what establishes the pro- the the personal problem that Ramses will have for the rest of the movie and that Moses is trying to intercede for. He's trying to make it easier on Ramses. And he does that with God later, just like he does it with Seti in the beginning. After all that setup, right? You have to transition into the conflict of the movie. And so Moses has to figure out how he's a Jew somehow, because he doesn't know. Um, So uh, the whole interaction with Miriam, it's believable. I like how he's so taken aback by this. Like, he's like, how could I be a Hebrew? He finds out that it's true. This is distraughting. It's distraughting. That's not a word. Uh, Distressing for him unbelievably so to the point that then he can't help himself but defend someone who he would have just days ago looked at 
as worthless, as a worthless slave. He has to defend him from an Egyptian, one of his people, supposedly. He can't help himself but do this. So it, that's very compelling, and it's very, I could see why that would be compelling. Also, I don't know exactly what age Moses is, but it seems as if he is a late teenager um, at that time, or maybe a very young, young man. So I'm thinking 16 to probably like no more than 20, 21, something like that. Um, that's what the depiction looks like. And this is a very hard age, no matter what, especially when you find out that you're actually a slave person that's been pretending to be a prince for your whole life. That's tough. Uh, and he takes that tough, uh, reasonably so. Um, but yes, so his flight, I already kind of depicted this too. His flight from Egypt, when he's running away and he's in the desert and he gets covered all the way by sand, it depicts this agonizing that's going on in him, that he is worthless, that he's he's a murderer and evil. It's just so well, he's so lost. He is, he is immobilized. And that's depicted so well here. So, so well. So I, lo I loved... I love seeing that. I mean, it's hard to see, but it's a great depiction of this of this feeling that he must be feeling. And his time in Midian works as a perfect recovery of his spirits. He's able to gain confidence in himself through how he comes to understand God and how God understands him and sees him. And so he's come to understand that about himself and he's come to be able to have the, the willpower and determination to, to live a good life. He's just a shepherd and he loves it out there. He loves tending to the sheep. He genuinely cares for his sheep. Um, and it's a great recovery time. It's a great recovery um, or yeah, from this this problem so it's it's a very it's very good it's just a very good recovery um and so then obviously we get the the message from god that says hey you got to go back to egypt to your people and you got you need to set them free and so he goes back and he's warmly received by Ramses, as I said, Ramses picks him up and spins him around. It's so great. Um, and I love how this joy at the beginning turns so quickly to anger that that whole scene is very, very good. I, I love how, um, Moses comes back and he says, let my people go. And Ramses is like, okay, you're playing a joke again, just like the old days. All right. You know what? Uh, magicians come on out here, show him up a little bit, and then we'll have a real talk. And so they, you get the villain song, right? And then after the song, Ramses invites Moses into the private room where it's just Moses and him. And this is the same room that they had the conversation with Seti about they had it in this room at the beginning of the movie and this room you can see the silhouette of the giant image statue of seti you could see that in the first scene and in the second scene we see that ramses has built a second statue one of him that is a little taller than the one of his father because again 
Ramses must not be the weak link. He must be stronger than Seti. He must be an even greater king. Um, and so it's in this room that that he is. That joy of, of having recovered a family member turns into anger and, and quickly sours. And it's his stubbornness that makes this much worse. It's his refusal to believe that that God has actually set the Israelites free, that brings plague after plague on the people of Egypt, and he keeps clinging to this despite the fact that Moses is begging him to to stop this, up all the way up until the last plague. And so, uh, by the way, I think having the plagues depicted in one song continuously is a great way to do that. It, it would be some of the plagues are a little similar to each other. It would be tough to, to depict them in an increasing level of severity. So you wouldn't want to do that. So this montage that they end up showing us is a great way to do it. Um, but what I really loved about the last plague is all said done. Moses goes to Pharaoh where his son is, is covered um, and either going to be embalmed or, or starting that process of, of the funeral rites of, of his son. And Moses said, tries to console him a little bit. Um, Ramses is having none of it. Understandably, I'm with him on that. Um, and Moses walks out uh, after getting permission for them to leave, for the Israelites to leave. So he goes out, uh, and there's this scene where he stops by the wall on the way out, and Moses just crumples and weeps there. And it's it's for this like moment in front of no one, with just himself and and God, I suppose. He just weeps for the pain that that his dear brother has to endure because of all that's happened. Moses doesn't want this. Moses never wanted this. These are his people too. He loves the Egyptians. He, he never hated them. He didn't love the, the atrocities and the, and the slavery, right? He didn't like that. But he loved these people, and these people are innocent. And this is a quote in the song The Plagues. Um, all the innocents who suffered for your stubbornness and pride. Moses says that to Ramses. This is tearing him up. And just to see his brother in this agonizing pain of losing his son, he just breaks down and weeps. And he gets up and he keeps going. And he gets up and he's, he's joyful because the mission has been accomplished. His people are free. But it did come at a cost, at a heavy cost. And Moses acknowledges that. And I think it's great that he acknowledges the cost that this that this had. I think that that's great. It's a great scene. It's one of my favorite little scenes in this movie is depicting his sorrow at this because it's real. Um, and I think that the one of the greatest feats is splitting the Red Sea. Uh, God really, the, the vastness of God is deliberately showed in this scene, I think, where the Red Sea gets split and a pillar of fire stops the Egyptian army. Um, it's really cool. It's, it's just breathtaking 
the this this the imagery in that in that moment um and the movie then ends with the people being free and moses coming down the mountain with the ten commandments it's a great way to end it is not the end of this story right there's more in the bible past this it's not like the israelites are just all good now they have many other struggles along the way but they're free now and god has saved them and that's the end of this this little part of the story this is a great story i love the narrative that that the people at dreamworks have created around the biblical narrative here it's it's just very good it's a very good story it's a very compelling story um that really does a great job of emotionally investing in these characters and so that's the meat of the of the story and so with that we got to move on to talk about the medium what is it that is specific about it being a movie that we need to talk about so movies have several distinctive characteristics about them as opposed to like books or even manga that that we can talk about and and discuss and so I have different things to, to talk about in this section, and on top of this being a movie, it's also an adaptation of another story, of a story that has the base, the framework that this story uses to, to tell its story. Um, so we got to talk about all of that in the medium section. And so the first thing I think we should talk about is the art. I will say... The art in this movie is very, very good. I the only thing today, seeing it as a as you know, sitting here in 2023 now, judging a movie that came out in 1998, I it's the only thing that seems outdated is there are moments where in order to render these huge Egyptian statues, they use CGI, and the the CGI just simply looks dated. It it doesn't. It looks like it came from 1998, which it did, and it looks really good for 1998 CGI. It looks amazing for that. Um, but that's the only thing that would make you think this movie came out, you know, in the in the far past like what is that 25 years ago oh my word this movie came out 25 years ago that's nuts but that's really the only thing art wise i think this art does an incredible job of depicting how massive egyptian culture was these buildings statues pyramids they're huge they're monumental in size and the artwork does such a great job of displaying how intimidating that is just to see and the shot composition with that being like you know what are we seeing at any given time the two times that we're in the the throne room and we see the statues behind outside of the window um how they frame that shot the same both times we're in that throne room it's very good and the art is so good it's so good the visuals are so good um Specifically, one thing I wanted to highlight that I noticed this time that I never have before is they 
every different people group in this movie looks a little different. So, there are subtle differences between the Egyptians and the Hebrews in how their faces are drawn and their general stature. So, Hebrews are almost always, like, more sickly looking because, you know, they're uh, being, you know, tortured every day. Um, where the Egyptians look more full and, and thicker a little bit. Um, and the Midianites look thicker too, but... They all have different levels of skin. The Egyptians are the lightest skin tone. The Hebrews are a little darker. And the Midianites are the darkest. Um, and so I I really think that's interesting. The, the other thing is the Hebrews tend to have longer facial features. So their nose is a little longer. And I don't know if this is accurate to any kind of anatomical thing in real life. But... What it does help us do is draw distinctions ethnically between who in the movie is a Hebrew and who is an Egyptian. And what this actually does help later is there are some Egyptians that walk out with the Hebrews that go live with them. And this is part of even the story in the Bible. That's, that happens. Um, but they don't say that explicitly, but you can see some of them in the crowd as they walk out. And I thought that was really interesting. I like how Moses has these features that are distinctly Jewish, even though he's Egyptian. I think it's interesting that, that Moses seems to be the only member of the royal house who doesn't have a shaved head or a mostly shaved head. And wears a wig over his naturally thick hair. Because as a Jewish man, he had the thicker, um, curlier kind of hair that, that he just simply put that wig over. So, it's interesting that they took the the time to, to make those subtle differences in the character design. And I think it makes the art that much better and able to convey the story to us even better. So, I think the art is, is quite phenomenal quite f just very good just very good the art's very good um yes but the thing about this movie that i think is is most helped by it being a movie is the music so obviously a part of movies are soundtracks and this is a musical so there are several just outright songs throughout the movie and this is helped in incredibly by this music this soundtrack is one of the greatest soundtracks of any movie i've ever seen in my life it's so incredibly good and serves to to further the themes and and plot of this movie through the songs this is it's so good it's so good that i'm now going to talk about almost every song in the whole movie and tell you kind of some of the things that I picked up that, that are so uh, just intricate. It's, it's, really, it's really interesting. So, Deliver Us is the most important song in this movie. This is the song that starts the movie off. And we're going to hear a refrain of this music. So, like, the tones of this music throughout the movie. And it's supposed to remind you of what the main mission of the movie is. That God is going to deliver his people every time it plays. So, the music itself is amazing. There is so much pain 
in the the chorus and the parts where the choir of Jewish people are singing about their hardships in Egypt. Um, there's just so much so much pain in in their voices and how oppressive and harsh the music is. And I love that this is then interspersed with Moses' mother as she's trying to smuggle Moses out of the city, her singing to Moses. And it starts in Hebrew. I really, really like this. I I think that it's great attention to detail that several times in this movie, they actually have the people sing in Hebrew, which was the language that those people spoke at that time. Um, and so I love that that happens here. And the, the mother's message as well as... Um, Miriam as a kid when she sings the last part of this song is that that Moses is the answer to this cry of the choir to deliver them. Moses is the tangible answer. He's the one that is going to bring that deliverance. Um, yeah, it's just very good. It's just really good. Um, and this this song will be played a couple other times during the movie and it's supposed to remind you of what Moses mission is in in this movie it's to deliver his people even when he doesn't know this which brings us into the next song the real song which is all I ever wanted this is the song Moses sings kind of to himself after he discovers he's a Jew and he's like this this palace this life this is everything I could ever desire why I I, I don't want to leave it I don't want to I, I want to accept this. Um, and it's a great song of self-discovery. It's a great song where Moses by himself is is discerning what what he wants to do. And the fact that they depict what happened in hier- in moving hieroglyphics kind of as he's drifted off into a dream is an amazing way to depict how he's kind of coming to terms with what happened. And he eventually finds the hieroglyphic that proves that Seti did kill the people during this song. It's a very good song of self-discovery. I like it a lot. But what I like even better, and the best quote from this song, is when the queen comes and sings a part in it. Um, The queen says, When the gods send you a blessing, you don't ask why it was sent. Right? That's what she says. And then... As she said, right after she says that, you hear the refrain of deliver us. So she's saying, when God sends you a blessing, you don't have to ask why it was sent. It it might not mean anything. Just accept it and love it. But the movie immediately tells you, no, that's wrong. This is why it was sent. Because he's going to deliver them. That's why he's here. That's why he has this blessing. It just reminds you of that in a great way. I also forgot something about Deliver Us. So, uh, there is a point, right, where um, Moses' mother is, I believe they pronounce her name Yohabed, but I have interesting thoughts about that, but that doesn't really matter. Moses' mother sings uh, part of it when she lets Moses go. She says, River, O river... Flow gently for me. Such precious cargo you bear. Right? And this could just be like, you know, we're singing a song. We're personifying the river. But I don't think that's what this is. I think she is praying to the Nile. 
And, and that's not crazy to think. Remember, even biblically, the command that God is one God hasn't come yet. The, old, the covenant of the Old Testament hasn't been inst- instated yet. Moses is the one to do that. So the, the Hebrews would have worshipped Egyptian gods too. And I think that's what's happening here. She is praying to the river to keep her, her son safe. Um, and obviously she would have prayed, she would have believed in the God of, of the Hebrews as well. And at, that he was the chief God, but she still prays this river. I just, it's, a, it's, it's a good depiction and I love it. I love, I love that it is. But anyway, getting back on track, um, the next kind of song that's, that's notable is through heaven's eyes, which is the song I've talked a little bit about already where Jethro sings. And this song is the moral answer to Moses problem. It's so upbeat. It's great. Lyrically. I love all the metaphors. Um, a single stone on the very top of the mountain's mighty face doesn't think it's more important than the ones that form the base. It's such a great line. There's several of these throughout this song that kind of demonstrate that, that we have a place in the plan and that, that we ought to be thankful no matter where in the plan that place comes. And so, and it's not, we don't determine that we can't determine that it, this this place is is given to us by God, and that's put it's put there, and that's part of the plan. And we we ought to accept where we are and support those around us. And I love that. I, it's it's a very great song. It makes me feel encouraged all the time. Uh, the next song, playing with the big boys now, um, is the villain song, and it's it's a great villain song. It is my least favorite song of all the songs on the list. I think it does the least heavy lifting narratively. I, it essentially just shows the the villains off a little bit. That's pretty much all it does. Um, but it's still a very good villain song. And I love that in the background, you can see if you watch, the staffs that they turn into snakes get swallowed by Moses' staff snake. Um... So just kind of showing that, that God is bigger than, than this, this, these villains, even during their song. So I, I like that. And then the next song and my favorite song of the movie and the song, I, I don't think, you know, as I said, deliver us is definitely the most important song I think to this movie, but the plagues are my favorite song. I think it's the best song in the whole movie. So in this song, what's very, what's important to notice is the choir in the background is acting as the voice of God throughout this song, right? And so they start off subtly, um, kind of talking about the plagues and, and the refrain that they keep saying, um, is I send my sword Thus said the Lord. And they keep saying this and they're echoing even the biblical uh, uh, translations of of what the story in Exodus is is saying. Um, But what they do great is it's a terrifying chorus. Um, and, And like, you know, I send my fire on the fields, on every house, on every tree. Just the all encompassing power that God is displaying when he is destroying Egypt 
is 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 depicted in this choir really really well and that's to say nothing of the actual the two characters that are are the main part of the song talking to each other moses pretty much pleading please ramses stop this let let this end let my people go but ramses verse is what i think is the best um Specifically, Ramses is a line that says, Then let my heart be hardened, and no matter how high the cost may go, this will still be so. I'll never let your people go. And this, obviously, we know is untrue. But the the, the heart here, the, the, the stubbornness and pride, that, which is you know, one of the things Moses mentions in his part of the song, um, that Ramses is displaying, uh, is is just captured in this line, I think, really well. And so this back and forth that they have while the plagues are going on in the background is just a great song. It's my favorite song. It's the most impactful to me out of this whole movie. I, I love it. Um, and then the last song is When You Believe. And this is probably the song that most people know from this movie. It became a much bigger deal than, than even this movie. Uh, and it's actually kind of sung at like Christmas time a lot. Which is a little confusing to me because it's not really Christmassy, uh, so I don't get it. But I've heard it several times at Christmas songs, and it's a good hopeful song. It's a good song to to be hopeful about to leave, you know, as they as they are leaving Egypt and they've finally been delivered. It's great. Um, what I like most about this song, what I think it does the best is its use of Hebrew. So at some point, the, the kids and then the whole crowd ends up singing in Hebrew for a little bit. And part of what they're sing, singing is the song of Moses. So M- Moses has a song that they all sing, that Miriam leads them in, in the actual account from Exodus. And this is part of that Hebrew. And I think that's just great attention to detail, an awesome... Uh, and this movie is very good at attention to detail. Um, but it, it, I, I just really appreciate that. I think it's really good. And so if you haven't guessed, the music is maybe my favorite part of this whole movie. I love the soundtrack. It's amazing. I've listened to just the soundtrack by itself several times. Um, I really love this music. And I think uh, Hans Zimmer just did an incredible job at enhancing the experience that this movie is by using this soundtrack. I mean, he's he's done an incredible job in that. Uh, it's very good. It's so good. It's so good. Um, so yeah, so the last thing we have to talk about in the medium section is the specific adaptation and how it did as an adaptation of an original story. So as I said, I'm in seminary, I'm a pastor, I'm very familiar with the the story that's found in Exodus 1 through 20, which is what this movie encompasses, right? And I gotta say, unfortunately, I have several cons in this category. It does things much different. Um, and so I want to talk about those before I talk about my pros. So there's a couple major differences. The first and biggest is that Moses and whoever the Pharaoh in the Bible is, because we don't get his name, they are not brothers. They would not have acted like brothers. It's just not realistic. So the Bible says that that 
the daughter of Pharaoh is who rescues Moses from the river, which means that she becomes his mother, the daughter of Pharaoh. So at best, when Moses returns, Pharaoh is his uncle or cousin, but not his brother. And could they have been close? Sure, maybe. It seems clear even in the Bible that Moses has some level of care for the Egyptian people. So it's very possible that, that they were brothers, but... They, they, they weren't close like this because Pharaoh, uh, the original Pharaoh, seeks to kill Moses after he hears Moses has killed the Egyptian um, in the sand. So that's a different, that's a much different thing going on there. Uh, the second biggest thing is that Aaron in the Bible has a much larger role. For those of you who don't know, Aaron actually will go on to become the high priest and he, priests, all priests, will stem from his line, not Moses. So when God meets Moses in the wilderness, in the burning bush, which is a great scene in this movie, by the way, I love how, how intense that scene is. But in that scene, Moses says, uh, I don't speak well, Lord, I can't go. And God says, fine, I'll send you Aaron and you will speak my words to Aaron and Aaron will speak to Pharaoh. So Aaron was instrumental in talking with Pharaoh, in discussing these things, because Moses didn't speak well, and Moses was rather timid. So, so Aaron was, had a huge role and was very faithful and, and strong, where this movie portrays him as very weak, and so that's not a great picture of, of who Aaron really was. Um, the other thing is Moses knew he was a Hebrew. There's no way Moses didn't know he was a Hebrew. The movie actually portrays some physical distinctions, but these would have been even more pronounced. Jews looked different than Egyptians. Jews would have had lighter skin because they were working outside for generations, whereas Egyptians, especially the royal family, would have very light skin. They would have been in the shade, under in the houses and stuff like that. They wouldn't have had this excruciating labor, right? Um, that, that kind of forms you as a people group into looking a certain way and acting a certain way. But Moses would have had darker skin. He would have had different textured hair. So all of these things would have would have led him to know he's a Hebrew. And he was also raised for the first three months by Hebrews, by his own mother, because when Pharaoh's daughter picks him out of the river, she says, who can nurse this baby for me? And Miriam is right there and goes, hey, I know a Hebrew lady who just gave birth. She can nurse him for you. And actually, the at least the first three months of his life, he's nursed by his mom. Um, so he grew up knowing he was, he knew he was a Hebrew um, for his whole life. So that wasn't a big revelation to him. Um, it was something that worked out throughout his life and the last kind of con kind of big difference is moses age moses is much older in the biblical account than he is in this story and i understand why they would do this but moses when he leaves egypt when he kills the egyptian and flees he's 40 years old doesn't appear like that in the movie and then he spends 40 years in midian so when he returns to egypt he is 80 Moses in this movie is never 80. That's for sure. So that's a big difference. But honestly, these things I can, I can get over, right? Because 
one, it does such a great job of depicting a lot of other things. And the, these things, other than Aaron's role, I think Aaron's role is important. The, but these things are made to display a narrative that this story is portraying. And I love this story. I love the narrative that they portray. I really, I really like what they've done, even though they've differed from the biblical story kind of significantly some some places but i think that most of the time it's forgivable again with maybe the exception of aaron and his role i think it's it's not that big a deal for me even as someone who believes who takes the bible as truth right so so even for me it's it's passable for sure but the pros the pros of this adaptation are great i have two and they're immensely important the first is moses emotion that scene i already talked about the scene where moses uh weeps by that wall and just this display of of how absolutely torn in two moses would feel by by what's happening around him this is a great depiction of that it's a great way to to tangibly show the struggle that moses would have had in this situation it's an amazing depiction of that and the second is this movie shows the power of god very well so god refers to the plagues and his acts in this story as wonder his wonders and the reason that it's referred to is that because these are wondrous things that are happening they're impossible things right they're they're incredible and so even from how ethereal the burning bush looks and when the uh, he is swept off his feet while god's speaking to him and he's captivated by all that god is in that moment that's a great depiction of of the power of god uh, i think that's amazing and the plagues are that song depicts the force and the wrath of god very very well i think that's awesome it's a great picture uh, the last plague, the how they visualize the angel of death there as like this white vapor is is ethereal. It's a little, it's frightening. It's honestly scary. It's scary. It just sweeps into a house and takes the breath out of the firstborn son. That's scary. That's hard to see, but it's it's powerful. It's it's showing that power. And obviously, the pillar of fire as well as the splitting of the Red Sea, just this incredible ultimate display of how powerful God is to be able to split the Red Sea like that so so that that his people can walk on dry land is incredible it's a great depiction of, of God's power and so as an adaptation I I do think it does well adapting the source material um, from the Bible to this movie I think this is a great example of how well a movie couldn't adapt its source material. I, I love it for that. But that's that's the medium. That's what I think the, the medium of a movie brings to this story and how it affects it. Which leaves us to talk about the moral. What does the story mean to me? And what do I think the story is saying? So, as a consequence of this being a movie, there are... Uh, a limited amount of, of things that morally I think the movie is trying to communicate to us. But before we kind of get into that, 
I want to talk just a little bit about what this movie means to me. So as I said, I've grown up a Christian my whole life. I've most of my life, all of my life, I have taken the Bible to be true, to be the true inspired word of God. And so the things that we see depicted here, I believe really did happen. I believe maybe not exactly looks like this, right? But close. And so when I was a kid growing up, having a movie like this that that demonstrated this really was was so instrumental to to my faith and to being able to understand this story from Exodus 1 through 20 in, in a way that I just wouldn't have understood if I didn't have this depiction of it. And so this movie means a ton to me because it's a depiction of of that. It is a show of of something that I took to be true and it helped me understand it and contextualize it in a real way. I mean, Moses was a real person. He wasn't a character. He wasn't one dimensional. He was a real person, which means he had real emotions. And so seeing that character fleshed out in a movie like this really helped me as a kid to understand a little bit more about my faith. And that was very impactful to me. But I think the movie is con- conveying two things. One, the first is what I think the one of the main themes of the, the maybe the main theme of the movie is is the importance of freedom and specifically the importance of hope. Hope is such an important factor to this movie that I, I think it would be impossible to ignore when talking about, what this movie says to us. I I think that the last song as a culmination of what's been going on in this movie serves as an important show of how hope is really important to this. It is the fact that the, the Jewish people haven't given up their belief, haven't given up their hope that God will one day come back and save them, that, that God does look on them again. He hears their cry and he does deliver them. He, he brings them out of the land of Egypt finally. Um, and it's through this hope that, that we get that. I think the line in um, When You Believe, the last song, that, that really helps kind of send this home is, um, you know, though hope is frail, it's hard to kill. Kind of telling about how even through all the hardships the, the Jewish people have experienced and been through, they this hope is, is impossible to kill. And it's a vital part of that. And I'm going to say, I think this is, this is a good moral that I'm not all the way there on. So I think that hope is a great thing. I think as we live our lives, hope is essential to continuing. And those those of us who have felt hopeless know how, how dark of a place that can be and how hard it can be to be in that spot of, of not seeing any hope at all. And so maintaining hope is such an important factor in, in, in our, our walk through life. Uh, so I, I get that. I, I'm, I'm with that. Although I don't think it ultimately answers answers some of the, the issues. And I think that 
that ultimately, while having hope is internally helpful, it, it can be difficult to, to know what to do with that hope, to know how to act upon that, when maybe not to act, when I should act more, how I should engage with the problems around me. If all that is important is hope, it's hard to discern that. But hope is vital. We can affirm that hope is, is vital to have and, and that we ought to live our lives, hopefully. And that's honestly, guys, as a pessimist myself, I'm not very optimistic. That's hard for me. I have a hard time doing that, but I, I need to incorporate that more because it's a great message that this movie does display very well. Um, but the message that I actually think is is a little greater, a, a better message even than that, is, is the answer to Moses' hopelessness. So Moses, I've referred to this point as his all is lost moment where he leaves and finds himself in Midian. He has an incredibly low view of himself at that point. He doesn't know who he is. And so then Jethro gives him an answer. And honestly, Rewatching this movie, it's so surprising that this answer could even be in like a mainstream movie. But Jethro's answer is not look inside of yourself, find that that worth within yourself. That's not what he says. Jethro says, it doesn't matter what other people ascribe to you, think about you. And in fact, it doesn't even matter what you think about you. That doesn't matter. What matters is what God thinks of you. How does God view you you, and what is his plan for your life? And so if you haven't already gotten this, I'm a big fan of this moral. As, as I've said throughout this video, as a Christian, this is, this is true. I believe this is, this is absolutely true. That, that our worth and our value is found in, in how in, in our relation to God, we have value because us as humans, we are made in the image and likeness of God. And so with that in mind, I love this moral. I love that this, this answer is, it's how God views you. It's what God's plan is for you. And it's our opportunity and our ability and our, our, our efforts to work within this plan and to work for and to work towards the, the God who called us to that plan in the first place. This is the, the essence of life and where we ought to find our worth from. And this movie does an awesome job of depicting that in a way that very few mainstream stories, at least in our current context, uh, depict or are able to depict even. So I really love that. And I think that's, that's probably part of the reason why I love this movie so much and why it's so, so important to me as, as a work, as a work of, of fiction, as a story. I really, really love that, that it says, hey, God is the ultimate source of, of our worth. And this is encouraging because I often don't view myself well. And I'm sure a lot of you are, are, with, are, are with me on that. I'm not great at, at always 
devaluing myself, that's for sure. I have a lot of shortcomings, and I know them. I'm very aware of them. And so, God is too. But but God has a plan. He has a purpose for me. He has a purpose for you. And the question of, of how we respond to this is whether we want to accept that, believe in Him, um, and allow Him to assign our worth, and to assign to us what His plan is and what He wants to accomplish through us, which is is a great op- opportunity and blessing that we have in this life. I love this movie. I love this moral. Uh, definitely commendable, this, this one for sure. So with that said, that's, that's my discussion of the Prince of Egypt. Now, so obviously when we do this with guests and, and other people come on and, and are involved in this endeavor, it's going to feel different. It's going to feel more like a conversation, which is what I want it to feel like. So that's going to be good. So, so we're going to be able to get that going and get that underway. Now, just so you all know, my plan for these podcasts is to be able to put out one every month. That's it. Honestly, guys, with everything I got going on, that's about all I can handle. So we're going to be doing one of these a month. As I said, this is for January. Next month, I, I will have my wife on and we, we will talk about a story that's, that's uh, important to her, uh, and the story is The Hunger Games. We're going to deal with the, the trilogy of books, so The Hunger Games, uh, Catching Fire, and Mockingjay, I believe. I'm currently working my way through reading those books now. Um, we will be focusing mainly on the, on the books, although I'm sure some movie conversations will, will leak their way in as we as we discuss that but i'm very excited to have her on and i'm very excited to talk about a story that's important to her so we'll we'll get to do a little bit of that next month that should come out on february 18th i plan to always release these on the 18th but thank you all so much for listening to this first podcast i know it's probably annoying just hearing me drone on about something i like but i hope that that maybe you you gain something that would be a little help you appreciate maybe the Prince of Egypt a little more than you have in the past. And it, you know, I just hope that you enjoy engaging with stories. And so as we continue, I, I hope that you stick with me on this ride as, as we hear from other people engaging with stories. If you like the Prince of Egypt or maybe don't like the Prince of Egypt, please comment. Let, let me know. Let's, let's start a conversation. I'd love to Love to have that conversation. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Life's Legends. Please like, subscribe, and comment. And until next time, savor your...